Well, praise God. Thank you so much for joining us for another edition of Faith Fire Media. And I'm actually simulcasting on Facebook right now, Facebook Live, because I just felt like the Lord wanted me to spread the wealth, so to speak, or just spread the word. Just so you know, this is a ministry of Faith Fire Worldwide Revival Ministries, and you can find us at faithfireworldwide.com to learn more about us. But simply put, we are here to fan the flame of revival around the world. And this ministry has really turned out to be very prophetic in nature. The Lord really has been speaking in volumes through dreams and visions and times in prayer. And today what we're going to talk about is... Uh, the need for intercessors, the call for intercessors, a call for intercessors. Uh, and we really are um, calling out those who have a um, determination in their spirit to pray. Some people just have that grace to pray. Amen. And that might be you. So I want to encourage you. God is really looking for you in this hour. So what I want to do is just start with this dream that I had that I mentioned in one of my previous broadcasts. And in this dream, I was a member of the Philadelphia Eagles and the Philadelphia Eagles, the city of brotherly love. Eagles represent freedom. So this is the, the body of Christ. We're free in Christ. We're, we're, we're here to love one another. And there was a lot to the dream, but I want to focus for this particular podcast on the part of the dream that had to do with prayer. So on this team, as you have with any football team, you had positions. Well, this particular team had no one at all on the offensive line. The offensive line was was vacant. And so here I was. I had the 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 possession and I wanted to hike it, but we had no protection. And so the Lord began to minister to me about how the offensive line represents intercessors, people who stand in the gap. So we're on this football field, which I believe represents the battlefield in the spirit. So we had an opposing team that would be the enemy, the kingdom of darkness. And it also represents the harvest field where souls are one for the Lord. We didn't have a football, however, in this dream. It was a cucumber, which is a fruit, which represents the fruit of the kingdom of God. And I believe the kingdom of God has fruit that we carry, that we can advance into new places and new territories as we gain ground for the Lord in the earth. So the fruit of the Spirit is at stake here. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Those are the things that we want to bring into the earth. We want to advance that into the earth, but we have an opponent. We have an opposing team, and we need people on the offensive line to stave off the, the enemy that's trying to get possession of this fruit. So we didn't have anyone protecting the quarterback. Or the fruit that we were carrying. No one was there to stand in the gap. So for our purposes here, I believe the Lord is saying no one was standing in the gap for prayer. For prayer. So think about what the offensive line does. They, they bend over. They get low. So that represents humility in prayer or even bowing before the Lord, being prostrate before the Lord. They push and they block and they make room for the ball or the cucumber in this case. So there's activity to push back or block the adversary from messing up, distracting, disrupting that which the team is looking to accomplish. And that really is the power that it takes to move the kingdom of God into new territory. So think about it on a football level here, you know, on the earth realm, any football general manager or coach or position player will tell you that a good offensive line is vital to the success of a team. 
It is vital. You can have a phenomenal quarterback, but if you have a really bad offensive line, that quarterback's not going to perform as well because they're going to be on the run. They're going to be trying to buy time because they're being chased. You can have a phenomenal running back. You can hand the ball off to this guy. He can be shifty. He can be fast. He can be one of those guys that can even hit a hole quickly. But if the offensive line is not able to create gaps or holes to advance the ball, that team's not going to get very far. So if you have a poor offensive line, you won't win many games. Or in our case, if we have uh, intercessors that are not engaged in spiritual warfare, we're not going to win as many battles. Amen. Now, listen, before people try to say, you know, Frank, you're being Debbie Downer or a negative, we'll look at scripture. How many battles did the people of Israel lose? Yes, it is possible in the kingdom to lose battles. Now, we've won the war, but we don't win every battle. We could win more battles through prayer. We need intercessors to arise. We need intercessors to arise. So think about this dream again. We've already talked about how bad it is if you have a poor offensive line. Imagine how bad it is if you have no offensive line at all. You can't get anything done well or effectively. We need intercessors to arise. We have to have prayer, powerful, effective prayer that pushes the kingdom forward by making room for the advancement of the gospel. Advancement of the gospel. We need intercessors. I've said it over again. We need intercessors. That's the message of this particular podcast. Prayer, especially intercession, can be likened to building a wall. So imagine it as a wall of protection. You know, you can even think of an offensive line as a wall of protection to the backfield. They're creating time for the wide receivers to get in their positions and run their routes so they can receive the ball. They're a wall of protection. People who need help and someone to prevent attacks from the enemy need the offensive line. They need a wall of protection. So where the wall is weak or worse, there's a gap. God is looking for people to fill that gap. So let's look at scripture, Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. Ezekiel 22 verse 30, it says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it but I found no one. So here we are. We see in the, in the scriptures that it is possible to have someone who's assigned to fill a gap, but they're not, not there to be found. They're not on their job. Somebody needs to say, I'm going to be on my job. Someone that's hearing this and watching this is definitely being convicted by the Holy Spirit. Well, man, I need to make more space and room to pray and pray strategically. The offensive line doesn't just show up. They have they know the playbook. They know the point of every play and what they've got to do for that specific play in order for that play to succeed. Amen. So God is looking for people to do what others have either ignored, forgotten or just didn't know to do. He's looking for people to to do what others have either ignored, forgotten or just didn't know to do where mistakes have been made or neglect has occurred. This leaves access points for the enemy. I need to say that again. When mistakes have been made or neglect has occurred, this leaves access points for the, gap, for the enemy. But God has called on certain people to pray specifically on these issues to plug or fill the gap. Now, before I go any further, everyone's called to pray. 
Jesus didn't say, hey, some of you pray, the other, others don't. So we're all called to intercede. We're all kings and priests. The priest interceded on behalf of the people. So the Bible says you are a priesthood, a royal priesthood. That's everyone in the body of Christ. So as a royal priesthood, we go before the king on behalf of people who either don't know, forgot, or ignored their duty to pray or their duty to come to Jesus. Amen. Or they're called to come to Jesus. So when I say certain people, there are certain people who have a gift of prayer. That's in 1 Corinthians 12, a gift of prayer. That's a spiritual gift. So, so you might be one of those people that just loves to pray. It's a passion of yours. It's easy. It's like water flowing. Some of us need to be more strategic about making time to pray. Amen. Or, or showing up to prayer when it doesn't feel convenient. Pushing past our feelings to pray because we need people on the offensive line. Now, you've also likely heard it called standing in the gap. Well, that's where we just got that from. Ezekiel 22 and 30. The Lord said he was looking for someone among them who would make a wall, protect and stand in the gap, fill a spot that was vulnerable. But he found no one. So standing in the gap. So what happens is this. The enemy is always looking for an entryway into your life and not just your life, into your city and into your culture. The enemy is looking for ways into your life, into your city and into your culture. He's the one the Bible records. He desecrates sanctuaries. He wants to go in places where God should be reigning and desecrate those places. He perverts what God intends to be a blessing. So when we pray, we are being called to block the enemy's entry, call him out for his lawless entry, or even fortify the wall in the spirit realm against his schemes. So I'm going to say that again. When we pray, when we're interceding, we are being called to block the enemy's entry, call him out for his lawless entry, which means confront him, or even fortify the wall in the spirit realm against his schemes, which means to build up or strengthen the wall. And we can safely say that the ills, the issues of our society are a result of a lack of prayer, intercession and activity by the people of God. Now, you might not believe that. But the Lord says he has given us authority to tread over serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy, not just some, all. And so when we look around and we complain about the things around us, instead of complaining, we need to be praying. And we need to be praying corporately. We need to be praying as a people in unity. When they went around the wall of Jericho, they were unified before the wall came down. Amen. We cannot be effective in prayer if we are divided. That's why the Lord has been always on the idea of loving one another. When we love one another, we're, we're taking on the character and the power of Christ. So our prayers are hindered when we're divided. That's literally in the scriptures where the Bible says if, if you and your spouse are not on one accord, your prayers are hindered. You're probably not praying in the spirit with the same authority and effectiveness because you're not together. So we, we need to be unified in prayer. We have the power and authority to establish righteousness in our cities, but we don't believe it. How do I, how do I know this? I'm going to go to scripture. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 5 through 7. Watch this. 
It says, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Ramaliah have plotted evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves and set a king over them, the son of Tabal. So here we are, we've got Syria and Israel coming against Judah, and they're saying, we're going to make a gap in the wall, and we're going to set up a king over them. But it says here in verse uh, five or seven, thus says the Lord God, it shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass. So the Lord literally prophesies to them and says they are saying they're going to come and make a gap in your wall and they're going to set up a king over you. But I'm prophesying that it will not work. The kingdom of Judah was the focus of this attack and they were hearing from God. It will not work. The condition of that prophecy, though, was they needed to trust God. Do you know what happened? They didn't believe the prophecy. So they went and got a teammate to come up against Israel and Syria. They took on Assyria as a partner in this war. And what ended up happening was because they didn't trust God, because they didn't go into uh, spiritual warfare and they went into their flesh, their carnal nature, which sometimes seems more effective because we can think on our own and we think rationally and logically. We're like, oh, well, we've got a we've got a potential partner over here that can help us fight. We need to be going to God. We need to be going to God. They ended up partnering with Assyria and they took on Assyria's idols. So what they thought they were doing to actually stave off the enemy created a Trojan horse issue where because they were out of step with the Lord and they didn't hear and receive and believe the prophecy that they had the authority to defeat their enemy with God on their side alone. Because they didn't believe that they could win with God on their side alone, they took on an idolatrous nation's help. And that idolatrous nation ended up infiltrating the people of God with idolatry. So they ended up in the same situation. They still ended up being infiltrated because they didn't just trust God. So that's like us. We, we see issues like abortion. We see issues like, you know, same-sex marriage. We see issues like crime. We see issues like issues in our schools and COVID-19 as things that we should just simply think practically and governmentally about. When the people of God, if we were united, could pray and see these things change, because we simply believe God. If we would pray by the Spirit and take on God's heart in prayer and pray into his will for a thing, we will be guaranteed, just like uh, it was prophesied to them, that it will not stand, that the scheme of the enemy will not stand, and it will not come to pass. Now listen to this. The attackers of Judah had names. One of them is resin, which means firm or stable. Syria means exalted. The king of Israel's name means opened. So the people of God were coming up against something that seemed stable and firm. Their enemy seems, seemed stable and firm, which they were afraid. Syria's name means exalted. They, were, they saw themselves as minuscule as, a, as opposed to seeing Syria, their enemy. They didn't believe. They didn't believe. Pekah's name means opened, meaning they thought he was going to easily come in and open his way through and enter into the city. It was part of his name. They trusted in man, not God. They had a choice. They could trust God's word or they could try their own means to thwart the attack. 
And in 2 Kings 16, it shows how they made this alliance with, with Assyria. And in the process, watch what they did. They ended up selling the gold and the silver out of the house of God and then patterned the temple interior after the temple of the Assyrians' God. They literally went in and rearranged what worship looked like so they could worship Assyria's God. So because Assyria was strong and mighty in their army, they thought that meant, oh, their God must be strong. We don't need our God anymore. We've got to walk by faith, not by sight. And that goes for prayer as well. They chose to take on the faith of an idle nation and trust in them rather than trust in the God who sent them into freedom out of Egypt. That's why he had to remind them over and over again, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because he wanted them to remember the things that he had done for them, that, that he's the same God that was doing miracles then. He can do them now, and we have to have that same kind of faith when we pray. So in this world, we've seen this over and over again. Believers have been given over, have given over our trust to the government of this world, the pagan world, instead of fully trusting and relying on God. We do it over and over and over. So the enemy has created gaps in the walls of our cities, our societies, our families. He's created these gaps. And we've got the power to fill the gap. So think about Nehemiah. The people of God took on this long and laborious work of rebuilding the walls of the temple. That's the kind of spirit we need to have. They started with the walls. And there were adversaries. Nehemiah chapter 4 says this. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. So they're making progress. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. That's the personality of the enemy. The moment we come together and start working to build in prayer, he's going to try to figure out a way to mess it up. And all of them, it says in verse 8, conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. So where there's division, there's confusion. We're not walking the same path. We're not walking in alignment with God's heart together. So the enemy tries to thwart our efforts to unify and pray and build together. And so that's why it's so hard to find time to pray and people to partner with in prayer. We've allowed the devil's schemes to coax us away from it. We've taken on the values of this world instead of the righteousness of the kingdom of God. It's a choice game. Do I choose to pray or do I choose to do something else? Now, you can't be everywhere all the time, so I'm not saying you've got to be at every prayer meeting. But go to the Lord and say, Lord, where is it that you would have me to plug in to pray? Where is it the Lord is calling you to a higher level of prayer and intensity and time in prayer at your house? Jesus said to his disciples, can you not pray with me one hour? Sounds to me like Jesus was saying, you know, that's like bare minimum. That's your reasonable service. One hour. So listen to the names of these people who were coming against God's, God's people. Sanballat means strength. So the enemy is going to bring his strongest effort to divide us and distract us from prayer. Tobiah means God is good. That's interesting. So the enemy will try to scheme you into thinking that opposing or failing to partner in God's work is okay. 
So Tobiah, who hated the idea of the people building together, his name means God is good. He, he perverts the truth to make it seem good not to be in unity. God, glory to God. And that there are other, quote unquote, good things that you could be doing for God. Well, prayer is, is foundational. Watch this. So the other enemies of this building effort, the Ammonites, they worship the god Molech, who require child sacrifice. These attacks are not just after you, but your children and your posterity, the generations that follow you. So when we fail to pray, we are partnering with the scheme of the devil to kill our children's blessing or even take out generations of people, take them out of the faith, cut them off from the blessing. Ashdod means powerful castle and fortified. The word Ashdodite means I will spoil. So the enemy scheme comes with power, with a fortification. It's not unbeatable, but he's not playing is what I'm getting at. He's not playing. Glory to God. Glory to God. So. The enemy just doesn't hope to mess up our efforts to pray, but also to put us in bondage, in strongholds to prevent us from praying together effectively. We cannot allow this. We can't be convinced that any other, alter any other alternative is sufficient. So turn with me now to Ezekiel uh, 13 in verse 4. It says, O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the deserts. You have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall. Wow. So the people of God who were called prophets, those who were supposed to be watchmen, protecting the people. It says, you have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel, to stand in battle on the day of the Lord. My God, no matter what we hear from the Lord, we are called to fill gaps through prayer. Before we forget the crucial call to prayer, look at what the Lord says will happen if the gaps are not filled. So this is what's going to happen if the gaps are not filled. It says in Ezekiel 22, verse 29, the people of the land have used oppressions, committed robbery and mistreated the poor and needy, and they wrongfully oppressed the stranger. So all of that's happening. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. Therefore, since there was no one to fill the gap in prayer, therefore, I have poured out my indignation on them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath and I have recompensed their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. So basically we reap what we sow. The sins of the people bring greater consequences when there's no one filling the gap in prayer. When you go before the Lord as an intercessor, you call upon his mercy. God, you have a right to do these things, but we're, we're appealing to your mercy, oh God. It, he's looking for people to have a voice to plead with him and entreat him on behalf of people, to cry out to him, which is what Moses did in Egypt. He pleaded on behalf of Pharaoh. He cried out to God on behalf of Pharaoh. He did this. He modeled intercession. He did this in, in the book of Numbers for the people when they complained and when they rebelled. The rebellion of Korah was a great disruptor. 
he went before the Lord and he prayed because the plague was breaking out and killing people. They were reaping the consequences. And because of the intercessor, Moses pleading with the Lord and crying out on behalf of the people who had sinned and deserved the consequence, the mercy of God came about. He relies on us. See, this is what we forget when we read the Old Testament. We think God is so bad. No, God shows us our ability to minister to his mercy. We have the authority to go before the Lord. It's up to us to call on the mercy of God. It's up to us to carry to the Lord Jesus the petitions and the supplications so that the Lord's will can be done in the earth. We are his ambassadors. We are his priests. We're the ones who are called before his presence. We're the ones who administer justice in the earth. We're the ones that if we don't show up, Bible says that he will recompense our deeds on our own heads. We are the offensive line. Unless we pray, oppression will continue. People will continue to be robbed of their blessings from the father. The poor and needy will not see relief. We'll continue to see the outbreaks of diseases. We'll continue to see our government out of whack. And I'm not just talking about any intercession. I'm talking about united intercession, being united in heart around the spirit of God, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That is the, the church that will move the needle in prayer. We can't be so Republican and so Democrat or so black or so white or so Hispanic or that we're not one. In fact, I'm encouraging you to deny yourself for the sake of the kingdom of God and to remove allegiances to any and all things that divide. That's a prayer point for some of us. God, am I called to be a Republican? Am I called to be a Democrat or am I just called to be a citizen of heaven? I'm going to posit this idea that we need to put away political parties in the body of Christ. And we need to begin to pray because the government is on his shoulders. Oh, somebody needs to hear this today. The government is on his shoulders, not Washington, not Beijing, not Moscow, not London, not the EU, not the UN. The government is upon the shoulders of Jesus. Mm. Let us say, not on my watch. Somebody needs to say that. Not on my watch. I'm not going to fail to go before the Lord. Not on my watch. I'm going to end with this, and, and uh, this will be all Luke 18. We can't give up in prayer. Luke 18, it says, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Come on. Saying there was in a certain city, a judge. I'm going to say that again. There was in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall God not avenge his own elect 
who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them. Glory to God. Then he says, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Will he really find an offensive line? Come on. <laughs> I say he will. He's going to find a bride that's without spot or wrinkle. We're going to have clean garments. We're going to have his heart. We're going to be one. I want to call your attention to that. That one part that there was a judge in the city. The, the judge is over the city, not just your life, your family, over the city. You have the ability, the right, and the privilege to go before the Lord, before the Lord for your city. And wear the Lord out. Just determined to see justice. Avenge me of my adversary. Avenge me from my adversary. Get justice for me from my adversary. You see what the devil's doing? You see how he's trying to be in control? God, we're, we're coming to you. Avenge me. Bible says he will not only avenge his elect who cry out day and night. He'll do it speedily. That means there's an appointed time for the breakthrough. It does says he bears long with us, which means he builds in a passion and a heart and a desire to pray in faith and also pray in alignment with a certain timing for when certain things will happen. All of these things are beyond our pay grade to understand. But what we do know is Jesus said he gave us that parable so that we would pray and not give up. That you'll go before the judge over your city. His name is Jesus. He wants to see your city blessed. The book of Acts said that there was great joy in the city at the preaching of the gospel and the miracles and signs and wonders that were being manifest. That's God's heart for your city. All right, so I'm going to get up out of here. I pray that um, this, this blessed you, this touched you. I'm going to encourage you to pray with us and... Um, I'm just asking the Lord to stir up the intercessors. Let us pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I do ask for that. I pray that you wake up the offensive line. Get them off of the sidelines. Glory to God. God, we're calling for the offensive line to take the field. We've got possession of the kingdom of God's fruit. Glory to Jesus. We've got possession of the word of God that brings fruit. Glory to Jesus. We've got possession of souls, God, that, that need to come to Christ we are occupying until you come. We're not going to just wait for you to come. We're going to be actively occupying the territory of the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom. The kingdom of violence, the kingdom of, of God suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. We are violent in prayer, standing in the gap, blocking the enemy, building a wall, making gaps for the advancement of the gospel where there are blind spots, where there's darkness, we're sending light. Glory to God. Oh, by your word, light enters. We're going we're gonna to be sowing seeds in prayer over our cities, our families, our people. Lord, I pray for every city in this earth that we will see the manifestation of your glory in our cities, that there will be great joy, great salvation, a great harvest, Great dancing and singing. Hallelujah. Freedom in our cities. May it be because we determined to pray and not faint. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. I prophesy to somebody who feels faint in prayer. I prophesy that you will pray and not give up in the name of Jesus. 
that you will take on the heart of the Father and be in patience in prayer. Glory to God, that you'll have joy in prayer, that it'll be fun to pray and talk to the Lord. It'll be fun to be led by the Spirit of God and not go in thinking that it's beyond your ability. No, the Spirit will empower you to pray. I pray that we will pray in the Spirit, building up our most holy faith. Glory to God. For those of us that are praying in tongues, may we do so freely. And those of us who don't know or don't have the ability to pray in tongues, I pray that we'll be available and open to that for your baptism to, to consume us by the Spirit with fire to pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God, I thank you. And I thank you for joining us. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. May he lift up his, account, his countenance upon you as well and your, and your entire family in the name of Jesus. And until next time, be blessed. Thank you.